Chapter 63 The Hypocrites Al-Munafiqoon In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. Who is a hypocrite, and why does the Quran place such an importance on hypocrisy? The word hypocrites is repeated 38 times in the Quran to indicate its significance and its presence whenever Muslims achieve any kind of socio-political victory. Quran speaks harshly of the hypocrites, for they are worse than the unbelievers and polytheists. One can recognize a true enemy by his or her clear and stated position, whereas a hypocrite acts as one's friend and behave outwardly as members of the Islamic society by engaging in the official Islamic rites, like praying and fasting, in order to deliberately deceive people. During the Prophet's lifetime, the hypocrites were those who had been his enemies from day one. When all of the Arabian Peninsula became Muslim, these formerly powerful individuals, along with their allies, lost their socio-political status. To regain their former status, and given that the new criterion for achieving it was one's adherence to Islam, they did their best to fake it and fool everyone via displays of excessive public piety. The Prophet said that a hypocrite has three specific traits. He betrays the people's trust, lies, and breaks his promise. Hypocrites were a far greater and more dangerous threat because they donned a mask of piety and portrayed themselves as the community's friends, only to stab it in the back. Such people are always among us, regardless of time or society. When the hypocrites come to you, O Prophet, they say, We bear witness that you are certainly the messenger of God. God knows that you truly are his messenger and bears witness that the hypocrites are indeed liars. The hypocrites are testifying that there is no doubt that Muhammad is God's messenger. Clearly, their assertion of their own faith is a lie, for such people only pretend to love the truth. God bears witness in this first verse that they are indeed deceitful and liars. They use their oaths as a cover and thus bar others from God's way. What they have been doing is truly evil. They take religious claims and false oaths to shield themselves from sincere Muslims so that they can achieve their hidden objectives. Putting on their mask of faith, they wait for an opportunity to harm the faithful and to block people from God's path. Their hypocrisy is ongoing. Because they professed faith and then rejected it, thus their hearts have been sealed and they do not understand. Such people gradually become disbelievers and so hypocrisy and disbelief have become their very nature. Their hearts and minds have been sealed and made unalterable. 
similar to dogmatic individuals who refuse to change their mind despite the presentation of facts or evidence that contradict their firmly held beliefs. Such people neither reflect nor engage in rational thought. When you, O Prophet, see them, their outward appearance pleases you. When they speak, you listen to what they say. But they are like propped-up timbers. They think every cry that they hear is against them. They are the enemy, so beware of them. May God confound them, how devious they are. When one looks at them, their appearance, body language, and apparel are astonishing. One wonders how, given their speech and appearance, they could possibly be hypocrites. They seem so dignified and outstanding, embodiments of their society's highest standards and values. But whereas a true missionary only speaks the word of God, whether it pleases the people or not, a hypocrite says whatever is in vogue and changes his rhetoric to meet the changing circumstances. They view any protest as an affront to themselves and any opposition as a threat. Taking such things personally, they always feel that they are the target. They are the true enemies of religion and society, and the verse is cautioning believers to be on guard so that they can neither be fooled nor harmed by hypocrites. May God confound them. How are they so deluded? One may ask why God says, Death to the hypocrites, and why does he not take their lives instead of wishing for their death? The answer is, Qatl, also means to neutralize in Arabic. So if you look at this word's root, it could be translated as, May God dumbfound them, or May God neutralize their conspiracy. This shows that hypocrites are distanced from God's compassion and mercy. Importantly, the Quran never says the hypocrites should be killed, even though they are Islam's strongest and most dangerous enemies. They turn their heads away in disdain when they are told, Come, so that the messenger of God may ask forgiveness for you, and then arrogantly walk away from you. These are the very people who hold themselves above the Prophet and the believers. However, now that things are going against them, they are seeking to maintain their socio-political authority by ending their overt animosity and adopting an outward veneer of alliance. But they are still not willing to ask the Prophet to pray for them and ask God to forgive and purify them. It makes no difference whether you ask forgiveness for them or not, for he will never forgive them. Surely, God does not guide such treacherous people. People who are being discussed here still consider themselves immune to hypocrisy. And so, this verse informs the Prophet that praying for them or not is a waste of his time. Those who want to be purified must desire this in their heart. 
for having someone else wish it for them as long as they themselves do not want it has no effect. They are the ones who say, Give nothing to those who follow God's messenger until they abandon him. When to God belong the treasures of the heavens and earth, but the hypocrites do not understand this. From this verse onward, a story is narrated that needs to be contextualized by keeping in mind its occasion of revelation. When the Muslims migrated to Medina, they abandoned their homes, property, and personal possessions in order to preserve their lives and sustain their faith. Some of Medina's Muslims voluntarily and enthusiastically took some of the migrants into their own homes, sharing whatever they had with them. The people who took them in are called the Ansars, where Quran speaks very highly of them. One day, when Muslims were coming back from a battle, an argument flared up between a Meccan and an Ansari. One of the hypocrites among the Ansar sarcastically said to the Meccan, This is what happens when you feed your dog. It becomes vicious and bites your own leg. When this news reached the Prophet, he became very upset. Seeking to prevent an intra-Muslim fight, he ordered the army to continue marching toward Medina without stopping at night time. The Prophet had ordered all night march to wear soldiers out from exhaustion and cause their anger to subside and forget about this clash. Several verses were revealed regarding this incident, one being this verse. This verse addresses this group, saying that these are the people who do not care about Islam and brotherhood in faith, but only about protecting their assets and property. If you think that the small amount of aid you have provided is a big deal, know that God has control over all of the universe's bounties and helps whomever He wills within. But this is only to test your faith. Otherwise, God would provide both His bounty and help to all of the Prophet's friends. They say, once we return to Medina, the powerful will drive out the weak. These people do not know that all power belongs to God, His Messenger, and the believers. The verse meant to stress that we, Ansars, who are more honorable and of high esteem, will surely drive you out, you wretched immigrants. They think that they are wealthy and glorious because they own a few palm trees and a mud house, not knowing that only God is glorious and great. Not knowing that only God is glorious and great. What makes humans great is their striving and struggle in the path of God. Another word, what really gives them glory is the help they give to the Prophet and the believers. O oh, believers, do not let your wealth and children distract you from the remembrance of God, for those who do so are the losers. It is not always things like gambling and drinking that prevents a person from remembering God, but good and healthy activities and duties can lead to the same result. 
This verse reminds people that property and children, which are some of our most important attachments, should not imprison us. Note, however, that that is not asking us to disregard everything and devote ourselves entirely to God, but rather telling us not to become enslaved by those attractions. One must realize that not remembering God is forgetting one's duties and obligations to Him, neglecting the fact that the universe has a Creator and that humans hold responsibilities toward Him. Give out of what we have provided for you before death comes to one of you and you say, O oh my Lord, if you would only give me reprieve for a little while, I would give in charity and become one of the righteous. Someone who unexpectedly faces the prospect of death and feels that death is imminent suddenly remembers the life that has passed him by and asks God to delay his death so that he might have a chance to make amends. But he has run out of time. But God does not reprieve a soul when its turn comes and he is fully aware of what you do. In the divine book, everyone's life has been measured and thus cannot be increased or decreased. God is aware of the minutest details of everyone's actions. This chapter ends by commanding that we spend out of what he has given us. As long as we are young, healthy, and energetic, without feeling the pressure and pain of death, we should strive for a better lot in the hereafter and not miss our opportunities. This is a warning for all of us, as we don't know the exact date of our death. Given that we may die at any time and at any age, we should always be preparing ourselves for our eternal life.